Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, the only podcast to take the controversial stance. Kelvin Benjamin kind of has a point. (laughs) I like it. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, (laughs) Nate. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Let's go, Buffalo! Hey, 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 let's go, Buffalo! The Bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans, Bills Mafia, and fellow preseason jumpers to conclusions. Welcome to another episode of the Circling the Wagons podcast, the only podcast that will give you a preseason game recap and also a true life story of a Bills player getting hazed in training camp this season. We have a ton of things to discuss in this episode, including the Bills' first preseason game recap, uh, the quarterback situation as it pertains to Josh Allen, the Corey Coleman trade, the aforementioned rookie hazing, and a lot more if we get the time. If you are new to our podcast, uh, please check out our interview with undrafted rookie defensive end Mike Love out of the University of South Florida. We discuss his playing style, what it's like behind the walls of a Bills locker room with Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, what he's overcome to get where he is. He's really a truly inspiring story. He came from a household with three brothers and a single mom, and now he's got a master's degree and is playing in the NFL. So it's pretty crazy. He's a, he's a really good dude. I hope you guys listen to it. And I hope it's someone you guys keep an eye out for um, as the preseason continues. But before we get into the first preseason game recap, are you guys all ready for the season to start? What better way than to grab some awesome Bills gear that's not $40 a t-shirt and goes to a good cause? Check out tpublic.com slash stores slash ctw pod now the ctw pod is charlie tango whiskey pod it's like our twitter account if you're following us there um on the t public site our podcast has created six or seven different bills themed art pieces that can be put on almost anything any color or size t-shirt a coffee mug a cell phone case wall art travel bag whatever um our pieces include the popular trust the process um, Bill's head coach logo, the Bill's Hall of Famers banner, um, right in time for the Hall of Fame game this past week, and our always popular Circling the Wagons podcast logo. So show off your Bill's fan pride with your family, your friends, and everything before the season starts. And remember, we donate a portion of all proceeds to Hunter's Hope, Jim Kelly's charity to help newborn screening. So I'm actually joined by a good friend of mine, a Bill's fan, and our new podcast announcer, Nick. Nick, it is great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, Nate. I'm a long-time listener. First-time <laughs> guest. Go Bills, man. Yeah, yeah. Nice it's, to see him back how, on the field. How, how does it feel for football to actually get started again? It feel, felt a little weird. It's always that weird time like where summer's still going on. We're still in the thick of summer. 
but season the season's about to start, you know? But it's just nice to see him actually playing football as opposed to looking, you know, with the draft, you're seeing all these things. You might see some tapes of things. The training camp, you're, you're kind of watching that. But it's like, this is a game. Yeah. It's, it's actually fun to watch. It's fun to watch. And you know you're not watching, you know, their, their actual plays that they're going to run during the season or anything like that. But it's still great to see football. And normally... Um, as it pertains to preseason, the first game is usually the most boring game because the quarterback, the starting quarterback, quote unquote, starting quarterback only plays a couple of series and then is out. I mean, that was the case with Cam Newton. And in this game for us, we didn't even know who the starting quarterback was going to be until he's, he took the field. So I thought that that and was... take it, he did. And ta- yes, yes, he did. He did a very good job. So um, we're going to get into that. Normally, so... So when you're looking at a preseason game in general, I think the most important thing uh, over above anything, you know, you want to look for a few things, but it's injuries. You want to make sure that your team came out not injured because, you know, even if they look like garbage, that's not how necessarily how they're going to look in the season. If they look great, that's not necessarily how they're going to look in the season. But if somebody gets injured, then, you know, it's, it's, it really puts a big, a big bruise on the entire night and it kind of ruins the experience, but so far so good. Knock on wood. Everything's going well. We're in the fourth quarter as it's, as we're recording and watching a little bit of Josh Allen as he's uh, basically playing the second half of this game. So we'll get into Josh Allen a little bit later on, uh, but I mean, before the game, so before we even started this game, I mean, what were things that you were looking for as far as, you know, things that you were interested in. I knew a new offense was being deployed, so I was interested in seeing how the offense was going to perform because last year was very lackluster. It was probably, it was their biggest weakness. So I wanted to see, A, could they run the ball? B, could they pass the ball? Could they protect the quarterback? Are these quarterbacks going to hold on to the ball too long? Are they going to make terrible reads? I mean, what, what was something that you were looking for? Well, it was exactly the same thing. I, earlier this week, I was reading a little bit about uh, the training camp and, and whatnot, and they're talking about how much more complex, you know, with, with Brian Dable, his, his schemes are much more complex than last year, which probably isn't too tough to be <laughs> more complex. But I was kind of yeah. curious to see how much of that would be shown on the field tonight and and uh, see how they they really executed and you know for the most part looked pretty good yeah I was very impressed I think more so than I thought I would be for the offense I mean what you've been reading about in practice and, and seeing clips of is is the defense is doing really well now you hope that's just a case of the defense just being a really good defense a stout defense better than last season as opposed to the offense being that bad and and tonight I know they were going against you know second and third teamers a lot, but I mean, I thought Nate Peterman looked good. So I mean, let's get let's get right into that part in, instead of like what you were looking for. The starters of the game so far. I mean, the the quarterback, which we didn't know going into it, it ended up being Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman had a good outing. Um, he was seven for, or you know, was he nine for ten? Um, one hundred and twenty yards, one touchdown, one interception. The only incompletion came at the very end of his what was a second or third series or. The end of the first quarter. I think he believe. I believe he took the whole first quarter. Is that right? Or it was first, pretty pretty close to it. First two series or whatever it was, yeah. and then and then AJ McCarron played the rest of the half, and then second half Josh Allen has pretty much been been playing. But uh, but I thought Peterman looked pretty good. I, I didn't think necessarily he was going to be the starter the way that AJ McCarron had been taking first team reps for a lot of this week. So that was kind of a surprise, and I thought he he did pretty well overall. What did you, what did you think about seeing Nate? Well, record record setting quarterback Peterman <laughs> right. uh, actually he he looked a lot better than than what I was fearing might happen which would be a repeat of the the infamous uh, five interception first half uh, but no he looked great he looked right on point I would say 
not to take too much away or too much off the bloom off the rose is he threw it all the time to the biggest guy on the field. Yeah, Kelvin uh, Benjamin. Yeah, I mean, Kelvin Benjamin was a beast tonight and he looked great. But is that really the true test of, of a quarterback to see if he can throw it to the guy who's two feet taller than whoever's covering him? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, but I mean, he looked great, though. I mean, I think it was a, a strong start and, and very interesting to see how this will go down the line as as these preseason games continue and the, and the camp battle continues. It was nice to see um, Peterman throw those quick out passes, um, maybe a couple over the middle, I think, um, that one pass to the sidelines for Kelvin Benjamin. When Which Kelvin Benjamin was, it was It was a really great catch. <laughs> it was a great pass on the run. It was a great catch. Um, there was also that touchdown that got called back, or, um, Rod Streeter. Um, which I thought was a great deep ball. I mean, it, would, it had perfect touch on it. I mean, that, people always questioned his ability to throw the ball and to, to make a long pass. That was a pretty decent pass. I think it was like 40, 45 yards. He had a and, lot of pocket presence, too. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't scattering out of the pocket. I mean, you know, that could be obviously the function of the offensive line doing their job, but, but he seemed to really hang in there and, and to, like you said, make those throws with some touch. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and he eventually did get a pretty deep pass to Kelvin Benjamin for the touchdown, which, like you said, Kelvin Benjamin looked great. Um, we'll, we might get into that a little bit later, uh, the Kelvin Benjamin, Cam Newton stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they kind of went out to prove something. And I was very happy with the offensive line. Now, on the offensive line, the starters there, which we weren't really sure who it was going to be going into it, it ended up being um, Deion Dawkins, which we knew was going to be the starting left tackle. But then it went Dukas, Vlad Dukas. Ryan Groy, um, John Miller, and uh, Jordan Mills. So uh, we weren't 100% sure how that was going to go, and I thought that they did a really good job protecting and then getting some running lanes for what ended up being uh, Traveris Cadet and a little bit of Chris Ivory too. So, um, so I mean, that was I, I was impressed a lot. As far as I'm concerned, in general, between Peterman, the starting offense, and even A.J. McCarron and, and his offense, I, I think they far exceeded my expectations of where I thought they would be or where, you know, they were last season. And one of the things I was reading earlier this week on NFL.com, they were pointing out some of the different attributes to some of the other teams. And uh, they said that the Bills had the thinnest offense coming into this. So I think that's exactly what you're saying is a little bit surprised how well things mesh together, at least for the first, the first half. And and the the offensive line definitely was a surprise, considering that's a whole new whole new crew. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm 100 on board with you there. Now you and I talked about this while we were watching the game, and I mean you have to take last season to a point as far as the offensive line, the running game, the passing game, you know, with a grain of salt because we have a new offensive coordinator, Brian Dable is in there. And you know, we've seen even with Sean McDermott coming in, how much coaching really matters. I mean, we've been in such a rut before the the drought was ended with it's like, we just don't have enough talent. Like that was always an excuse. We don't have enough talent. And whereas, you know, Sean McDermott comes in, they basically drain, you know, a quarter of the talent off the team, basically just for draft picks. And they ended up, you know, ending the, uh, the playoff drought. So, uh, it can't be understated how important coaching really is when it comes down to it. And hopefully this is a sign that, I mean, you can't get much worse than Rick Tennyson as far as creativity, as far as play calling and, you know, getting, using players in the correct capacity. I think that was a huge issue that he had as far as the offensive lineman, not building the scheme towards his player's strengths. He's like, this is what I run. I run a zone blocking scheme or whatever he decided. And then, you know, he didn't, 
He didn't change it to, okay, what are they really good at? What's what's their strengths? What's this quarterback strength? Tyrod's not good under center, so let's have him play in shotgun. I mean, you know. This is the thing that's bothered me for the last two years. I mean, we've had this conversation and argument over and over and over, and it's totally coaching. I mean, you look at uh, Belichick. He's got a good team every year. It's not because he's always got the best players. It's because he knows how to coach. And I'm a big fan of the movies like, you know, Necessary Roughness, The Replacements, you know, these teams where you're bringing the ragtag group of people together. And it's not so much they're the best players. It's that they they come together as a team. And I think that's what happened a little bit last year in that they did come together as a team kind of unexpectedly because they did drain a lot of the resources, which again, I have opinions here and there that we could, that would take a lot of time to go through. Mm-hmm. But I think that was why they did make the playoffs is because they were, they were fighting as a team. And I think that goes to the coaching, the process of McDermott and, and, and having a good room, you know, having, having guys who support each other uh, in, in terms of that. But I think if you were to ask any of the coaches last year, they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not making the playoffs. This is rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And they've even said that this year, they've made, they've made a lot of comments to make sure that we know we're still rebuilding, people. Yeah, it's, not, it's the process anything. isn't done. Yeah, don't expect anything. <laughs> and I mean, uh, hopefully they get to the the playoffs again, but they're already <laughs> building up, uh, building up the, uh, the 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 excuses there. It's like, no, let's let's just see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd love to let's let's get into that a little bit after the we do a, a quick recap of this preseason game and um, and let's let's start off. Do you want to start off and talk about the uh, the Cam Newton Kelvin Benjamin video like before the game? I think that's kind of interesting. It has nothing to do with the game whatsoever, or does it? You know, like well, I think I, you've got to back up even a little bit more to the comments that Kelvin Benjamin made earlier, and he said something to the effect of uh, that Cam Newton is very inaccurate and he doesn't have very good knowledge of the game. Yes, exactly. And he was he was upset that he was he didn't think he should have been drafted by the Carolina Panthers, which is kind of interesting because Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott right. were part of the <laughs> part of the coaching staff that drafted him. And you know, uh, he it was very and it was kind of weird the timing of it because um, it's been it hasn't been a year quite a year since he's been traded. But I mean, usually that's something that you would say right after, like immediate visceral gut reaction. Whereas now it's been you know seven eight months. He's Maybe time to- he's taking it as uh, as a feeling of I feel good here in this organization. I didn't feel good in that organization, and he just he's feeling he's it real- now in camp. And he's or he just wants to tick off Cam Newton, <laughs> which is altogether <laughs> well, possible. I, I like I like your thought of it being a positive thing, but I bet you you know what it is too is because he's in a contract year right now. If they don't give him the fifth year extension, there's probably a good part of him that's thinking you know I'd be making so much more money right now if Cam Newton you know threw me that if I had bigger numbers. If I had something to show that I was worth fifteen million a year, if I was getting the Julio Jones contract, you know, which I'm sure in his mind he's as talented or close to being as talented. That's a good point. And I didn't think about that. So, so I mean, when you look back at that, I mean, just look at Jordan Matthews. I mean, Jordan Matthews was having a pretty decent career up until he came to the Bills, and then he got injured in the first fifteen minutes of training camp. He lost, and then he signed for like a one year vet minimum contract with the Patriots, and now he's just got cut. So I'm sure he's looking around and he's like, well, there's a guy who wasn't the top of his draft class, but he was in to make some money and he got almost nothing. So, I mean, you know, and then, and then it's just like anything, like your job, if you're not doing well, you have to like, you know, find an excuse, right? I'm sure this is his excuse. Cam Newton wasn't, 
throwing me the ball well. He wasn't accurate. I couldn't just, you know, my numbers were... T.O. always used to make that uh, that comparison. Was it T.O.? It sounds like T.O. <laughs> Even if it wasn't, it sounds it like, sounds like T.O. would do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, so he said these words, which were very, you know, poignant. And, and afterwards, actually, Sean McDermott said that it wasn't... He was upset that... Kelvin Benjamin had said these things, and it's not the way he wanted to. They you know. gave him a talking to, <laughs> and yeah. So, so what happened is I'm listening. So I'm driving home, and I'm listening to the Bills roundtable with Chris Brown and you know uh, Chauvin the Bulldog, and they kind of stop their their little uh, you know roundtable for. They said, "Oh, you know, Kelvin Benjamin's talking to Cam Newton." And it was like pregame warmups, right? The, the no pads, nothing. They're just out in t shirt and shorts. He's like, oh, we're just going to kind of watch this. I'm kind of interested to see where this is going. They're over at the 40-yard line. They're kind of talking to each other, you know, although that didn't look like it ended very well. <laughs> so uh, we get home, and uh, Bleacher Report obviously tweeted out a video right away. So Nick and I are watching it, and Cam Newton comes up. So first of all, there's a guy right in Kelvin Benjamin's ear this whole time. Now, I don't know if he's a Carolina Panthers player. He was kind of smirking, kind of. So you don't know if he's just like, man, I can't believe you said that, or if he's just like, what is wrong it with you? Kind of felt like he was ready to jump in the middle if something were to if something. Oh yeah, okay, to explode, explode. Because Cam Newton comes right over. He comes for like the come here, like give me like I don't know, like a grasp handshake, right? The one arm bro hug. The one arm bro hug, you know. So, and that um, wasn't happening. That was not happening. Calvin Benjamin basically didn't do it. And then Cam Newton was not happy about he, that. He said some stuff. Said some stuff. And they were kind of like, you know, a few inches away from each other. And it was kind of like, you, you didn't, it wasn't positive, but it wasn't. It wasn't explosive. It wasn't explosive, but it was more like, you it know. Was, it was definitely some feelings. Someone someone on Twitter had tweeted out, I said that was kind of weird that that happened. And it said, it looked like Cam Newton came to, you know, greet him. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you think he came to greet him. He could have been like, hey, uh. What's up, you piece of shit? Thanks for uh, throwing me under the bus. And Kelvin Benjamin's like, man, get out of here. You know, like. And that's what it looked like, too. It looked like Kelvin Benjamin's like, uh, all right, man, whatever. And then he, he starts walking away. And Cam Newton now, like, lets him get a few steps back. But then he starts pursuing. And you can tell he's saying some more stuff. And Kelvin Benjamin's just like, let it go. Let it, yeah. Let it go. We're just playing some football. And he just keeps pursuing further than you would have expected. Further than you would have expected. And you would, like, I don't know why it would behoove Cam to be all, all excited like that because it really felt like it was coming from i that was my take is it felt like he was the one that had more feelings about it than kelvin oh yeah well of course he did because kelvin was criticizing cam newton basically saying how terrible but like like let's not mince words with cam newton like i and i kind of like cam newton but he's never been an accurate quarterback i don't think anyone's ever confused and that's why when josh allen was coming out he had you know completion percentage accuracy issues and his big comparison was cam newton because you got a big tall guy who who's mobile who has a strong arm but isn't it so accurate which kind of makes kelvin benjamin's comments a little more confounding because he's talking about how that was such a bad thing when he was in carolina and now he's coming into a system to where that's the savior (laughs) the guy that's comparable to so the guy where he just came from yeah so that seems a little odd unless unless he's just made such a good you know, uh, relationship with one of the other two guys that are going to start this year that, uh, that he feels okay about it. Well, the way that the quarterbacks were playing, they seemed to be pretty accurate. And I mean, even saying that, so it was very childish of Cam, I thought, and it was like, Benjamin was trying to walk away. It was a little weird and awkward. And, uh, and so, you know, it came out and Cam did not dispel 
any inaccuracy issues that Calvin Benjamin said because he came out and he was missing guys left and right. Almost had a couple of picks, you know. So the only completions that he was really having were just backfields or running backs coming out of the backfield. So, uh, I mean, I kind of got to agree with Benjamin on that yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean from a, a truth perspective, uh, he seemed to be right on point. Peterman was way more accurate than Cam Newton today. Now, was it appropriate for him to, to mouth off like that? It's like, I don't know. It was fun for us. It's fun for us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got a kick out of it. And he wasn't and he wasn't uh, going after any of his teammates, so, you know, that's not a problem either. So I was okay with it. You know, but I, I guess, and I hate saying this, but I always more so subscribe to the philosophy of not giving another team bulletin board material because they're already motivated. If you give them the extra motivation of like, this guy said this about you, like they don't respect you. So you need to show them. It's like kind of gives it that. So, I mean, it was a preseason game that doesn't matter on the year. Luckily it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They're not going to play them in the regular season, but in the regular season, I hope that they don't do that. And I would agree with you on that. This being a preseason game, it's completely fine. But if, if it were a regular season game, I could, I could, have a different opinion of of that so no i I agree with you on that Mm -hmm. so um you know going back into the there's a great catch by benjamin that we mentioned um for first down um overall in the game i mean the defense looked okay against the first team offense against cam newton in the first team offense i thought the defense looked pretty good they they give up a tell he's so inaccurate (laughs) yeah against an accurate quarterback who knows how they do um so I thought they looked pretty decent. Um, Harrison Phillips got the start. Kyle Williams didn't really play. Um, I, uh, Harrison Phillips did end up getting a sack tonight, which looked great. Um, he came off the the field holding his arm. You're like, oh, great. You know, this is all we need again. Luckily, it didn't seem like any serious injuries had happened. So uh, we were happy with that. Um, Marcus Murphy, by the way, I thought he looked amazing tonight as the third, what was he, the third or fourth string running back, really, behind you know, uh, McCoy, Ivory, Cadet, and then he was the fourth one in. So, uh, I mean, he had some moves, man. He had some quickness that, you know, it, it reminds me more of McCoy than, like, I think Ivory's probably more of a plotter and more of a contact sort of runner. Uh, you know, Marcus Murphy just had to, and he showed that at the very tail end of last season because he came in halfway through the game when um, LaShawn McCoy went out. And obviously, no, I mean, no matter what, the, the backup running back this season is going to be completely it's going to be head and shoulders above Mike Tolbert last year. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. That's not really a hot take. It's a very lukewarm take, it's a, but it's a, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not saying much as, as you know, a 30 something year old fullback, but um, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see that because I'm always worried that they never drafted anyone to take over for LeSean McCoy when he's gone. But with guys like this, guys that they're finding in undrafted, you know, free agents and off practice squads. Hey, and they all had their moments. I mean, there was moments for literally every one of them where you looked at him and went, oh, all right. Yeah. That's that's not too bad. The limited uh, catches and carries that Ivory guy looked pretty good. You know, Cadet, I mean, yeah, it looked good. It looked good. It was was promising. Let's say that. Well, Um, again, we don't know if they're playing against... You know, second team, third team. You know, where where is that fallout in terms of what they're playing against? But but there's really nothing to look good. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't have been happier to to see them actually each get some moments. So there's something in general with preseason games that you just kind of touched on is you can always take it with a grain of salt. And so like that's how we always convinced ourselves through the last 18 preseasons or whatever before this preseason was like, well, you know, the Dolphins didn't do great, but you know they weren't giving away their whole playbook. And and I guess my counter argument to that was, well, I'd feel a lot better if they did well 
as opposed to even though you know this doesn't count and they aren't using it as opposed to not doing well and just hoping that they're going to do well because at least if they're doing well they're they're um actually you know carrying through the game plan they're they're executing the plays the way that they should be and even though they're playing against you know a defense that's pretty vanilla or whatever i'd rather see them successful against a vanilla defense than get trounced by them so i even though you can't say it's it's going to the outcome is going to be great. I mean, this this feels so much better than a game where we've watched before where they've lost 28 to 7 in the preseason and you just have to justify yourself. Well, it's preseason like they they look they look good. No, I know? agree. And then that's what we're especially with a quarterback competition going on, you're going to see a little bit more heightened uh intensity from the from the quarterbacks all wanting to make their mark and wanting to look good no matter what team they're playing, be it the the second stringers or third stringers. They want to make sure that they're looking good. So that adds to a little bit of the fun. Uh but I agree. I mean just watching, making sure they're executing plays correctly and and all of that, that's 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 really what we're looking for and, and hoping that uh and I and I think they did. I think they did tonight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so Nate Peterman got the start. Um, we, we thought, we both thought he looked pretty good, a lot better than, you know, obviously he looked last season, but you know, he was a rookie last season, um, new system, maybe something that plays to his strengths more. AJ McCarron comes in. Can I give you a hot take? Hot take. It was a lot of fun <laughs> when he came in and I, and I said this while we were watching the game, it was really interesting to see the different dynamic of, of when Peterman was playing, it seemed very like in the pocket, like very, rhythmic, right? It rhythmic, was, yeah. But in the pocket, in it the was pocket. very, very stoic, if you will. But it was like uh, competent, and obviously working out because uh, everything went well there. But then AJ McCarron comes in, and he's all over the place, running and gunning and throwing mm-hmm. and and making plays, and it just seemed like the whole field just went chaotic. Yes, in a really fun way to watch. A fun way. Yeah. Now is that good <laughs> i don't know but it was it was definitely kind of interesting to see that that difference in uh, personality of the game when he came in into the into the fold yes absolutely i will say that in the, in the first play he had he was sacked i'm like oh great this isn't gonna go well but you're right so what i will say to that for your for your point about things being chaotic and going i mean one of the things i've been reading about is he's been throwing a lot into traffic <laughs> Like getting his receivers laid out, I think that's why Malachi Dupre isn't playing today. And Cam Phillips aren't really didn't really get a lot of snaps, is because they're nursing injuries from getting laid out across the middle. So, um, and we didn't see a whole lot of that. We saw a little bit of traffic and the guys getting ca- caught or catching the ball and getting tackled right away. Um, but then he also had some really good plays. He found Brandon Riley wide open. And there was like a 50-yard gain. It was amazing. So I, I agree. So it's you know, it's funny now that you mentioned that. So you have the very like rhythmic, not very fancy Nathan Peterman. And then you have a little bit more of uh an unconventional AJ McCarron. And then you have Josh Allen, who's like the most unconventional out of all three of them, taking the third spot. So um but I mean, going back to what you're saying, AJ McCarron. I mean, the running game was still doing well. AJ did pretty well. Um, he, you know, he was running a little bit too, um, getting outside the pocket. Um, and how much is that too? And and let's go back to the word chaotic that I used. You know, how much is that due to him needing to break out of the pocket, or the fact that the second string offensive line wasn't maybe as effective? Yeah. And he had no choice but to break those plays and and to shake it up a little bit. So so that's where it gets harder to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just I just thought it was funny because like this is a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was fun to watch. You didn't know what was going to happen. It was it was. It was interesting. It was chaotic. It was probably like, you know. 
dynamic. Yeah, traffic accident. You're like, is somebody hurt or is that just, you know. I can't look away. I can't look away. I'm just going <laughs> to. Um, so then now we go into Josh Allen. So Josh Allen, which we thought was going to be the third string because he'd been that the entire week for the most part in team activities and training camp. He was with the third string offense. And I will say, going back to AJ McCarron real quick, I thought this, for the most part, the offensive line did pretty good in the second team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in years past, we've seen the first team, you know, offensive line just get manhandled. And then you're like, well, the second and third team's not going to be any better. And they aren't. <laughs> and they weren't. But uh, and the third offensive line isn't nearly as good as we, as we saw while watching Josh Allen. But, uh, but I mean, what, what did you think of Josh Allen? You know, first impression, seeing him in a uniform, seeing him in pads, the way that he threw the ball, what did you think? Um, I thought he, I thought he was good. I mean, he looks like a rookie. I mean, it was clear that, that, uh, that he's a rookie. He made some pretty bad mistakes. He, he did some interesting things. Uh, it was clear that he wanted to show off the arm and really, uh, heaved it down there a few times to varying, uh, success. So I would say for, for a first game and the first experience of seeing a real NFL, this, you know, speed of an NFL game, I think he, he did pretty good. Yeah, exactly. For first, first time on the field. I mean, it wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't five interceptions, you know, which isn't fair to Nate Beer, but you know, it was like, it was, he hit Ray Ray McLeod over the middle, which was a great pass. That was a, that was a great pass. It was just pass. right where the linebacker couldn't get to it. Right in step two. In step two, exactly. And, and speaking of in step, we did see AJ McCarron and Nathan Peterman have issues throwing behind guys as they were crossing. Yes. One led to an interception, One inter- yep. you know, tip balls. I mean, you know, and it didn't seem like Josh Allen, you know, had those issues. And then he also, though, did a very rookie thing. I mean, he was getting chased out of the pocket. He thought he could elude the pass rusher coming after him. And he even went back even more yards, probably like 20 yards past the line of scrimmage, or, you know, back behind the line of scrimmage. And then he kind of chucked up some weird over, you know, as he was going down and it almost got picked off. And That should have been an interception. It should have been an interception. It should have been a taint, really, so. It was a... Uh... There was one play that he he got hit and he got knocked to the ground. And I just feel like the announcers should have been saying, he's just realizing they hit really hard. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more in Wyoming than or than Wyoming, right? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but these guys, <laughs> these guys they hit really hard. Uh, isn't that crazy? Like the third string defensive end. In Carolina, it's probably the best competition he's ever seen. You know, it could be yeah. like you know, you never know. Um, welcome to the NFL rook. You know, it's so I thought he, I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, for the most I've, part, no I'm excited. Com- no complaints. He's not starting week one. No, 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 not, he's not. Not even close. But no. I'm, I'm not disappointed. So that that leads us into. I mean, we did a recap of the game. You know, there's not a ton to take from it, but it, it intrigues us. The offense looked pretty good. The defense looked, you know, as well as we thought it would do. Um, when should Josh Allen start the season? And, you know, should he start at all? Well, what's your hypothetical here? Are we talking about either Peterman or McCarron coming in and clearly looking like NFL quarterbacks that can lead a team? Are they, you know, putting W's on the board and looking like they're getting things done? Or do we have these two guys just kind of maybe doing okay, but not really impressing or just flat out losing? Well, I think you should change your scenario based on whatever outcome you're talking about. So, like, obviously, if we have A.J. McCarron or Nathan Peterman, like, looking like a competent quarterback, at least 500 or above, like, I feel like you, let have him to go. Keep, you have to keep him in and let Josh Allen. My opinion on this whole thing is that you should always let your quarterback stay as long as possible, especially in this situation where he's not clearly, clearly better than the two ahead of him yet. 
and he came out of college as a raw prospect. So it wasn't like he wasn't like Cam Newton and just won a national championship. It wasn't like Deshaun Watson and Marcus Mariota, all those guys that had prolific college careers and were just taking it to the next level and were clearly the best players on their team when they got there. Um, so I, I, I always think I'm of the opinion that you should, you should definitely let your guys sit as long as possible. I agree with that. Uh, I think what's possibly going to happen if you look at the schedule, uh, the schedule is pretty tough in the opening weeks. Oh yeah. It's rough up until about week nine. <laughs> up until, yes. I, I was actually going to go till like week five, just giving a little <laughs> bit of, of wiggle room. So I, I think if, if things go poorly in those first four or five weeks, like they very well could, I think there's going to be some pressure to put him in mm-hmm. and see what he does. But I think if it were me and things are going okay, uh, like you said, let him wait as long as possible. If you've completely lost the season, like it's clear that the season is not going anywhere, let him play the rest of the season to get the time. Yes. And and build the confidence and build the, you know, just the experience that he needs to, to go forward. So, so I agree with you. Yeah, I think the, my the reasoning I guess I have behind him sitting is that you can't you can't ruin a quarterback by having him wait as opposed to you can ruin him by throwing him in too early. So, like there's a lot of opinion that David Carr was a better quarterback than he than he actually ended up being because his offensive line was so poor, he was always getting hit and injured and whatever. Like it was just the game was too fast for him, he wasn't ready for it and it just ruined him. So, I mean, I look at other quarterbacks that have waited and you know some that haven't and sure some of them have had success but I've never heard of a quarterback waiting too long and then I just missed my chance I missed my opportunity I was waiting two years behind this guy I think I think the cream always rises to the top no matter what (laughs) just as long as you don't like burn the cream too quickly or something I don't know (laughs) hit hit me with the dairy all right um I think uh, yes and no. I think that if you put the put the guy in and it clearly looks like he's over his head, you know, maybe like Nate Peterman last year. Yeah. Then you, you go, okay, too early. Don't do that again. Yes. So then you wait a little bit longer. But I but I 100% think that you can put him in, just kind of gauge, get a little more experience. Yeah. And uh, even if it's like putting him in for a half, mm-hmm. like if the season's done. If the season's toast, done. So yeah, if the season's done, that's the only time you would be okay with it, right? Like, yeah. oh, and five, like, like pretty much not going to make the playoffs. Right. Let's see what we got in this kid. Right. Okay. And then if he starts to to crack a little bit, you all right, bring him out, throw the other guys in. Uh, so I think I think that would be a decent way to do it. But I, I agree, if you put him into a situation where he's just going to fail for seven games because there's nothing on the line and yeah. he has no one helping him, uh, that's not really good. I no. mean, we saw what happened to Trent Edwards <laughs> after his concussion. Oh, I know, I know. Well, you know, speaking of that, give... Nate Peterman credit. I mean, the guy had the worst performance. He's like, a record holder. He's a, he is. He was absolutely terrible in that game, and he could possibly be the starting quarterback this season after beating out you know the seventh overall pick in the draft, and you know another guy who you know was. Uh, I don't know. I think I think there's something to be said for him for making a comeback and not just turtling and just his career just ending. No, he gets a lot of points for uh, perseverance. Uh, and that's something I've read about him is is that he's got confidence. Mm-hmm. He he gets it. He understands the game, and he's confident in his own abilities. And and so he's seemingly put it past him. And, and I think he's got something to hang his hat on today. Good, good, awesome, awesome. So you know, speaking of dairy, <laughs> we're talking about you know cream rising to the top. Um, you know, obviously you're a friend of mine, you're a Bills fan, but you're not from the area. You're not from Western New York whatsoever. No, you are as 
you're pretty far away. You're not in Bill's country at all. I grew up in grew uh, up. Giants and Jets country in a, in a small town. I grew up on a dairy farm. And actually, my, no one in my family watched sports whatsoever. So I, did, I wasn't even exposed to football except for when my aunt and uncle came. They live in, lived in Orchard Park, had season tickets to the Bills. And when they would come down, you know, holidays and various times, always would have to have the football games on. So that's when I started watching football. And, of course, they're Bills fans. And, and so they indoctrinated me into being a Bills fan. Mm-hmm. And so everyone else around me was Giants and Jets. Yeah. And I didn't – I was like, why does nobody like the Bills? <laughs> and then I came to school out here to RIT, and uh, and then everybody was Bills fans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although in RIT there's a little more diversity to where of course. I group with a bunch of different things, but but it's very interesting to be in the different different areas to where, especially during the Super Bowl years, there was not a lot of support outside of Western New York in terms of people wanting the Bills. to Oh, everyone win. wanted the Bills to lose, huh? Every time, even the, even like the first time, really. And by the fourth time, people were just angry. Yeah, of course. They're like, why do we have to watch them again? But the great thing about those years for me was more Bills games were televised in my area mm-hmm. because I only got to see Bills games if they didn't happen to correspond with the Giants or Jets uh, games. Or if they were uh, in the playoffs, obviously, you're going to get to see those games. So I was very happy that they had playoff games that I got to watch the Bills more. And obviously, those, those were exciting, exciting mm-hmm. games. So, mm-hmm. yeah, coming, being a transplant into Bills country, I'm not special anymore. Yeah, well, I thought that was always interesting that you were a Bills fan because I'm like, wait, where you came from is definitely <laughs> Giants because, you know, the middle of the state – is is for the most part like Syracuse in that area is, and then you keep going further where you where you grew up. Yeah, it's the foothills of the Catskills. So if anyone's geographically familiar, it's near Oneonta. Yeah, and uh, that's even a city that's bigger than the one I grew. How up far in. is that from New York City? Uh, by car, it takes around three and a half, four hours half, four through hours. the through the Catskill Mountains. Okay, gotcha. Oh, so you're so you're okay, gotcha. You're like north of Albany then. No, no, no. Oh, Hour and a half southwest. Oh, okay, gotcha. So right. New York is flat across the bottom. New geography lesson, okay. And then it dips down to New York City. Yes. So right where that crease is, where it starts to dip down, I live just north of that crease. You live right in the crotch of New York State? <laughs> All right. That's <laughs> a little too much. Is that too far? Okay. <laughs> that's enough. I let the cream thing go. <laughs> um, no, that's cool. I, I, It's funny because when... I first met you and we became friends. Like I just thought you were just from the area because you were a Bills fan. It's just natural. And that's something that, you know, you don't see a lot of people become Bills fans that aren't from the area. Because why? Why would you? you? Why? Why would you? (laughs) Why why would you do that to yourself? I mean, you know, not for nothing. It's just been a very rough stretch up until this last season. So, I mean, in saying that, like, how amazing was it for that for you to watch them end the drought after following them as a, as a kid, you know, up until... Oh, it was, it was great that they ended the drought, but I had a weird mixed feeling about it because of all the controversy of things going on with uh, uh, when they pulled Tyrod, that oh, game. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like, and it goes back to something I said earlier about the coaches keep making excuses. I, we're rebuilding. Don't expect anything from us. Yeah. And it was almost like they were irritated that they were winning. <laughs> they're like come on we yeah. don't we don't have to deal with this this year because then we're gonna have to do it next year too yeah like, yeah we want a high pick you know yeah. i don't understand well let's give us a chance to like these guys aren't supposed to win <laughs> <laughs> we are just coaching way too well so so it just it has that weird sort of era to aura to it that uh i can't shake for some reason yeah i can't, I can't well if they really go. didn't want to win they would have kept nathan peterman in for the rest of that game and the rest you of- you can't keep him in that game <laughs> 
Even if even if you're trying to lose, never get another head coaching job in your entire life. But I but I think that was the thing that really was frustrating about last year. And and you know, there's controversy about Tyrod. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he you know, you know the the thing that was frustrating is it was very clear that Dennison didn't want to coach him. Yeah, he didn't want him. No. He wanted his own guy. It's like, no, you have to play with the guy you got. Yes, exactly. But he didn't want to do that, and it was very clear. So that was that was the very frustrating thing. Plus, then you've got the whole, all the Bills fans, uh, and and I've said this term to you before, our big believer in uh, Schrodinger's quarterback. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which is a quantum physics uh, experiment to where you put a cat in a box with a poison, and you close the box up. The cat is both simultaneously alive and dead at the same time because you don't know. You don't know what happened. And, and until you observe what's happened... You don't know, and that's what, and that's what Peterman was. He's the best quarterback ever because we don't know. Mm-hmm. All we have is what we saw in, in like training camp, or we don't know how he's going to react on on the on the on the big game, you know, during you know the big dance floor. So then we open the box and we're like, oh, yeah, he's not better than Tyrod. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's been at every, that moment. That's been every quarterback for the last, you know. That's what I mean. Like, it seems like the Bills yes, have always, that sort of mentality. Yes. Uh, to where very quick. You mean to, Bills fans or Bills the Bills coaching staff? A little of both. A little of both. I mean, I feel like Bills fans different for coaches sure. at different times. I mean, Jeff Tool was a thing. Remember, Jeff oh, Tool yeah. was like, oh yeah, this undrafted guy out of Washington or Washington State. You know, yeah, he's he's gonna be the next coming. It's not Tyrod. It's this. So here's a thought experiment for you. Put Tyrod into the game that we saw tonight against an offensive line that's looking pretty good. Having Kelvin Benjamin in the lineup, having people that he could throw to, what do you think he does? I don't want to hash out Tyrod Taylor. No, I mean, I mean that's I, you, the thought really, experiment of it. That's the, so the fun experiment, so I know you were a Tyrod supporter, so I know that going into it. I never claimed this he was is, Brady, this is like <laughs> This is like talking politics because I, Everyone I, I will never the, be... Everyone has Exactly. I will never be convinced that I thought Tyrod was a good quarterback. I don't think he was terrible. Like, I think he was... He was a great game manager, and that might be the ceiling of, like, all three of our quarterbacks right now, right. is game manager. Um so I think he was good enough at that, and then, the, but that was like his max ceiling. No, I and I've never said that he's the most amazing guy ever, but I just knew he was the guy who was getting it done, and he had a couple bad games, and he didn't have a lot of support. They stripped him. He of didn't everything. He so that's where I'm, I'm curious and, to see how he does in Cleveland. And, and I did feel, I did feel, I am very curious to see how he does in Cleveland, especially with definitely he has weapons. Is Jarvis Landry? Is Josh Gordon? You know. So now's his time to really show me. Yeah. If if, <laughs> if we were stupid to get rid of him. Or yeah. Not. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'll be eating, you know, crow if he ends up being, you know, a quarterback that can get them to the play. If you get to the Browns to the playoff, the team that's been one in thirty-one the last two seasons, if you get them to the playoffs, you're a good quarterback. Yeah. Like you just are. <laughs> you are. No matter what they've done in the draft, no matter what you know. You are just a good quarterback. So I've officially turned into one of my good friends who still to this day brings up J.P. Lossman. Oh, somebody would still bring up J.P. Lossman. There's still a lot of J.P. Lossman truthers out there. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Didn't think he'd get a fair shot. One of my good friends, Bill, is like that. Yeah, yeah. To this day, they'll have a buddy. <laughs> it's like a, this is like a decade ago, man. Let's we can let this one go, right? <laughs> exactly. So that's the last time you'll hear me talk about Tyrod or J.P. Lossman, hopefully. Oh, no, I'll bring him up every time. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, so we were. So, that's a really cool story that you actually became a Bills fan while not even being from the area and actually coming to the area. So, um, 
So let me, so let's talk. So we were talking about Tyrod in Cleveland really quick and weapons and, you know, see what he does with this kind of offense. They actually just got rid of one of their weapons recently. They basically gave him away. Corey Coleman, the Bills, <clears throat> the Bills traded with the Cleveland Browns to acquire former first round pick Corey Coleman this week for a 2020 seventh round pick, which is like two years from now, a seventh round pick. This is like, I mean, which is worth less than a seventh round pick next year. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's almost nothing really. I mean, if you think about it, the bills have more draft equity in Ray Ray McLeod, who they got in the sixth round this year. And then Austin Prohl, they got the seventh round this year. Those guys are worth more than what they gave up for Corey Coleman. So, I mean, what did you think of the trade? What were your thoughts on it? Did you like it? I don't. I mean, obviously, we didn't see him tonight. I'll say that right now. I don't. He was have, on the field. But. I don't have a ton of opinion. I don't really know Coleman that well. I mean, I read how both of his hands have been broken, which for a receiver that could be problematic. Um, it just makes you wonder why. Like, why would they make this trade? It it just seems like does he have Ebola and is going to wipe out the entire Bills team? Oh, why would goes, the Browns make the trade or why yeah, would the Bills like, make the trade? Where's the motive? Yeah, the Bills is fine. They're like, oh, all right, we need a we need a warm body. I guess he'll be sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what you want. You sure you don't want more? All <laughs> sure. right, we'll take him. But what are what are the what are the Browns getting? Like why? I know, I know. And that's why I say he might have Ebola. So he goes into the locker room and the whole Bills team is gone. And yeah. Then we're back to the movie The Replacements. <laughs> so we're. I, I'm very curious as to why they got rid of him, and, and it was listening. I was actually, so I was reading some Browns blog reporters, and they were saying, you know, uh, someone, Jake Burns of the Orange and Brown Report tweeted that uh, this after the trade. He's like, if you actually watch Corey Coleman's 19 games and don't see a guy who can produce, then you're lost. Check the targets. Check each one. He can play. QB issues were massive. I can accept injury history and off-the-field issues we don't know about, but the football player can play. Whereas on WGR, they interviewed one of the color commentary guys from the Cleveland Browns, and the guy's like, this kid's got issues, he's not motivated, he had an off-field thing where like him and his buddies, apparently, we don't know what his involvement was, but his buddies like beat the crap out of somebody at like a garage in Cleveland, like really, really hurt him. Um, so... So you get both sides. It's very controversial. It's almost like Josh Allen. But that's another question, too, is because this coach, McDermott, I mean, they're known to look for the right guys, the guys with the right personalities, the right attitudes, the right drive. I mean, we saw the little clip of their, you know... uh, The embedded. The the, embedded thing. The series, the miniseries that's coming up. Yeah, the hard knocks-esque version that they're doing. And, and, uh, you know... That's what we've always kind of thought as they've made these moves of, of getting rid of big guys and big players that you're like, why are you getting rid of that guy for? And and really thought that they they took time to tell if a person's going to fit in the team, fit in the room. And was he vetted like that? Or is it just something to where they just they just needed wide receivers so badly they just went, okay, yeah, this is basically we're, we're going to take the good with the bad with this and, and see how it goes. But that just seems unlikely from what we know. So I I think it has a couple of things to do with that. It it has to do with the fact that I'm sure Brandon Bean had scouted, you know, Corey Coleman coming out of college at Baylor when he was out there. So he probably knew what his, in his opinion, his draft stock was up until that point. And he probably was looking for people. He has a relationship with the Browns GM. They traded Tyrod Taylor. Um, so... So he probably called him up or vice versa. I called him up. Hey, do you want this guy? We're not looking for a whole lot. We think we have a guy that can replace him. Do you want him? And, you know, Brandon Bean thinking, hey, he might not have fit the process because you can't tell, really. You can't get in the locker room with these guys. 
Um, but and people are saying, well, he's from Cleveland. What do you expect? Well, Jordan Poyer came from Cleveland too, and he did really well with the Bills. You know, he was not this Pro Bowl level sort of guy coming out of Cleveland. He came here, better coaching staff, and that's essentially what Sean McDermott had said when the press conferences. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the Browns were thinking. It must have been something not fitting in their system. And the Bills were thinking, well, it doesn't take a whole lot to acquire this kind of pos- potential talent. No, they got a good bargain, and I, I'm not going to fault the Bills end of this at all. It's, it's just very curious. It doesn't sound like he fits the process. But then again, they brought in K- Incognito on. Incognito, that's and right. And he did great. Well, this this regime didn't bring in Incognito, but they kept him. They liked him. They weren't going to cut him. Oh, that's right. They didn't, did they? No, Rex Ryan did, but whatever. That's fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You don't know the Bills history, but it's okay. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. So, let me go into real quick why I like the trade. Um, because the Bills finally have a speed threat now at the wide receiver, um, a, a proven speed threat. He had a 437-40 at his Baylor Pro Day. Um, he was a Blitnikoff winner, which is basically for the best wide receiver in college football. The Bills don't have any of those on their roster right now. Um, he has two years left on his rookie deal and, a, and another year if the Bills want to give him the option. So he's not just a rental player. He can They can decide, you know, is this guy worth keeping? He's a very cheap contract. It is a rookie contract, so it's very cheap. Um, Zay Jones is still not 100%. We don't know where he's going to be. You know, speaking of not being part of the of you know the process or, or whatever, I mean, his off-the-field issues this last season, I mean, geez. You know, and he's still not he's still not back from the injury, not that he sustained from football or practice or working out. It was from that hotel incident. So they don't know what's going on with there. Um, and, you know, I was I, I'm sure everyone is listening to this podcast and you and me, you know, we've all been reading all of the, you know, the notes about wide receivers because I put a poll on Twitter. If you're not following us, please follow us at CTW pod. We almost have a thousand followers. So, you know, shout out to you if you could become our thousandth follower. Um, but I put a poll out there. I said, what position are you going to be watching in the first preseason game most? Is it going to be offensive line, wide receiver, defensive end? I forget what the last one was. And I was by far wide receiver. Who's going to watch? And every time there'd be an update, it'd be like, oh, Cam Phillips looks good. Malachi Debris looks good. It's like, it is not a good sign when all of these undrafted rookie free agents are looking to possibly make the roster. That is a very bad sign because not because these guys aren't talented. They might be very talented, but you should not have to rely on rookies, much less undrafted rookies to make up your wide receiver position. So, I mean, I look at that and, you know, uh, the bills needed, and, and not only that, as far as wide receiver goes, wide receiver is one of those positions just in general, you know, I know cause we play fantasy football third year tends to be the breakout year for a wide receiver. This is Corey Coleman's third year. So that's a big thing. I mean, a lot of these guys, even if they are in drafted free agents, I mean, we saw with, with Zay Jones last season, he was one of the most accomplished college wide receivers coming out, but he couldn't catch anything last season. He was, he was, he was lost. And that's what happens when you push these guys into a position where they're undrafted, they're rookies, and you try to make them, unless you're Julio Jones or AJ Green, you know, one of the best in the game, you, you, you struggle. There's lots of different concepts. There's routes. The, the playbook's different. It's just, it's just a lot different. Whereas, so having a guy like Corey Coleman can only help this wide receiver group. Now, instead of having, you know, Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, uh, maybe hopefully healthy Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin, Jeremy Curley. Now you have a fourth guy that is also a starter potential. So, I mean, I really like the trade for what they had to give up for it. Now, if you're telling me they gave up a fifth round pick or something, I'd be like, yeah, it's a little too much, but, but I liked it. So, um, next topic was something interesting that happened 
So I was out. So I live right near training camp here in Rochester. And I was out one night getting groceries and uh, noticed some rookie hazing. So real quick, before we get into this specific story. Yeah, I haven't heard anything have about you, <laughs> Have you ever been hazed before? Have you, I mean, what, I guess, what do you think of when you think of hazing? I usually think of like, uh, you know, the fraternity type stuff to where, you know, I think of that sort of thing. I personally have not, well, maybe I've been hazed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up with a bunch of farmers and we played basketball really rough, but I mean, other than that, it wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't anything like, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I don't have any idea of the story that you're talking about. So when I think of hazing, I was in a fraternity in college, so. I think of that, which obviously wasn't that bad or anything like that. But, um, but I think of like you ever see those videos on sixty Minutes where they're hazing like Air Force or Navy or Army guys, people in the military, and they're just like in a hallway and they're all doing like standing ch- or sitting chairs and like you know against the wall, and then they're getting pinned against and getting yelled at and sure. screamed at. That's what you think of like with hazing a little bit. In my fraternity, there was some something like that. You know, there were certain things that we had to do. It wasn't anything bad, obviously. But, I don't think that's obviously, but no, it's good to hear. <laughs> no, at least in mine. I mean, other people have terror. Like I've heard of experiences where people, without getting too graphic, like one of the lesser, you know, the stories that's not too bad is like, you know, people get branded like when they join a fraternity. It was like, why? Like that sounds terrible, you know? I wouldn't want that to be done just to, so stuff like that. So, um, but at the same time, like we're talking, that's an extreme of hazing. There's also times where I think hazing could be a good thing. So, like, I'll tell you a story real quick. Is I used to work construction. When I was in college, I'd work construction over the summers. My dad was an electrician. So I would, you know, go out and work summer help. I'd help them, you know, run conduit or whatever. And um, those guys were jerks. <laughs> they were straight-up assholes. And a lot of it had to do with because I was just a summer helper. I was less than a, an apprentice, you know, and I was just basically, here, move – move that pile of material from there to there, move it from that job site, you know, do all the work. They wouldn't teach me the, the really skilled work, obviously. But, you know, and it was funny because, like, I was, I didn't dread it, but I was like, some of the guys took it, like, they were just, like, total assholes. But some of the guys just wouldn't talk to you or they'd make fun of you, they'd rib you all the time. But by the end of it, you know, when all was said and done, like, everything was good. They were like, it was like, it was like a rite of passage. They all did it to become journeymen or whatever, whether you're a pipe fitter and they all did it. It wasn't like just the electricians, like the pipe fitters were joining on it. I was just like, uh, but it actually taught me a lot of like character too, because you know, it was a humbling experience. You're not used to that. That never really happens to you except like maybe if you get bullied a little bit in high school, but so it was interesting. That's one of the reasons why I joined a fraternity. Cause I'm like, wow, that, you know, with the right guys, it's something worthwhile because how else do you prove if someone wants to be part of your organization or your fraternity or your, your whatever, unless you put them through something in a short amount of time and they go along with it. You're like, okay, this is what I had to do. This is what you go through. It's just part of it. Right. So like stories about like, like Des Bryant, like Des Bryant wouldn't carry pads in practice. He's like, I'm not here. He's like, I'm not here to carry pads. I'm here to play football, which makes sense, but it didn't go over so well. Ryan Leaf had the very famous story of, you know, back in the day, they used to have, you know, the first round draft pick pay for dinner for the offensive lineman mm-hmm. or whatever, and it'd be thousands of dollars. They put it on the rookie's credit card. He wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't do it because he's like, oh, I, don't, I don't have to do that. I don't care. I'm Ryan Leaf. And how well did that turn out? You know, so so there's certain things to be said about, you know, going along with it. It's not harmful. I'm really curious if this is going to be like a good type of hazing or a bad type of hazing. <laughs> have, like, I, have I led through it? I mean, you're, people you're building the tension. People are skipping uh... the 15 second mark to get this. To, come on. Get to the story, Nate. So. So, so I'm at a grocery store around here, 
And it's late at night. It's like 8 o'clock on a weekday. So he's picking up some groceries. And I noticed someone that looks like a player that just came off the practice field. He's wearing athletic tights. He's wearing red. What I would imagine, you know, cleat-like shoes. They weren't cleats, but, you know, there's definitely a guy that either just got done working out or was a Bills rookie. And it was literally like a half mile away from the the start, or the, the training camp. And so I'm like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not in any hurry to get back home. I'm going to kind of watch what this guy gets because I know how strict these coaches are about diet. I mean, they have all their food at the train. What is this guy getting? Is this You stalked this gentleman <laughs> in the grocery store. <laughs> I wouldn't say stalked like as in I followed him down every aisle. But I, I but kept he was tab- never out of sight. I kept tabs on him. <laughs> there was 10 people in the store. I kind of knew where he was. You know, What's he going through? Where, which aisle is he going? Is this guy... I mean, have you ever wondered what, what an actual NFL player eats? Sure. Especially what a rookie eats. I mean, an NFL veteran probably eats very well in his 30s. That's how you stay in the league. But like a rookie, I mean, they could be eating Skittles every day, right? So, um, <laughs> so I'm... I'm watching him. Is he going to make it to the vegetable aisle? Is he going to go get some fruit? Is he going to buy some cereal? What is he getting? So I make it all the way down, up and back. You know, I'm I'm going down the aisles. I'm done getting groceries. I haven't seen him in a while. I come back. He's in the same spot that I saw him, which is in the candy aisle. And he had, no joke, I've never seen anyone have so much candy in their cart. It was ridiculous. His entire shopping cart. And not one of those half shopping carts, like a full shopping cart with Reese's Pieces Reese's peanut butter cups, Kit Kats, um, whatever, M&M's. It was just, it was full of just junk, chips and whatever. And I was like, and at first I didn't, I didn't recognize who it was at first. And I'm not going to say his name because why, what good does it do? I won't say if it's, if he was drafted or undrafted, but he, he's definitely a rookie. And I guarantee he was getting that for the veterans. Either he lost a bet or he didn't do something in practice and he needed to so he drew the short stick but he was picking up candy for all those veterans this is probably and uh, it must have been hundreds of dollars like this is like you go to a, a nice you know grocery store hall it's probably like 100 bucks right this is probably like three four hundred dollars worth of candy so i was listening to another podcast uh, uh i don't know if you're familiar with it at the pete and sebastian podcast okay no sebastian okay. maniscalco is a comedian as is pete Corielli. they're good friends with jj uh, watt mm. And literally this week's episode, J.J. Watt called in, and they they asked him this specific question about what do you do to the rookies? You know, what do they have to do? And and it was almost all of the things that you mentioned. You know, like they're responsible for getting the pads off the field. Uh, they're responsible for the food for all the for all the, the older guys. And then at the end of the camp, you know, the the defensive guys all go out, and, and the rookie has to pay for the steak dinner. And so they're always scared at how much these these huge three hundred pound guys are going to be oh, yeah. putting away at the at the nice steakhouse. Yeah. So it was all the things that you had you had just mentioned. So it's mm-hmm. kind of funny how that kind of relayed into something I just just heard. <laughs> it's funny. It, it's it was kind of interesting to see that actually happen to see it in person. And you know, I could tell he was a rookie because he had no idea where he was looking in the grocery store. Like, is this, uh, you know, is this aisle? This uh? it's like anyone that's been to like a Tops or Wegmans knows exactly where everything is. But no, it was it was kind of interesting. I thought that was funny, and uh, and yeah, that was definitely not following the process. I'm sure that wasn't part of their diet regimen. <laughs> you know, a, t- a ten pound bag of uh, of Oreo cookies. But to your point, though, I think it does. It builds that camaraderie, and uh, and you know, JJ Watt kind of echoed that too. Is like. As long as guys aren't being jerks about it, uh, yeah, generally speaking, it's it's pretty easy going with just some of the basic things. But if the guys are, are jerks about it, then sometimes they might, uh, you know, just just be mean to them. I don't know. Yeah. And how bad would that look if, if they asked you to do something and you said no? 
not good, especially no. you're trying to make the team. Exactly. You know? You're trying to make the team. You're trying to get in good with your teammates. You want so, to fit in. So that's funny that you had a, a real life. Uh, I mean, I don't approve of your stalking tendencies, and, and we might have to have a little talk after the podcast. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he probably was thinking, "Who's this dude? Why is he following me?" I'm sure you had like full Bills regalia on too, like Bills <laughs> shirt and. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, my circling the wagons T-shirt. Yep. So what's weird is, you know, here I am, like trying to eat healthy. Like, you know, I'm not in great shape. I'm not in terrible shape. But I'm not in great shape. And like, I have like chicken breasts and Brussels sprouts and stuff like this. And this guy's just loading up on candy, probably in better shape than I've ever been in my entire life or ever will be. And it's just funny because I'm like, oh, like I'm so jealous. <laughs> I know he's getting it for like these three hundred pound linemen, but he he burned ten thousand calories <laughs> in practice today and is made of muscle that needs oh, I fuel. Know. I know you, my friend, burned thirty seven calories today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, it's hell getting old, man. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not great. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, um, man, that was really interesting. I think, I think we're gonna end on that note, um, just based on time. Um, but you know, recapping everything, it was a really interesting first game. I mean, normally, you know, how preseason games go, the first one, the, the starter gets very little time and then it's not till like really the third preseason, preseason game where the starter gets the most amount of time. And it's very possible. We might see AJ McCarron start preseason game number two. I wouldn't doubt it. And flip flop that, that way. And, you know, it's, it's possible that they said that they were hoping by preseason game number three, they know who their starter is, but let's say they, they choose AJ McCarron and he gets, you know, I think they usually give him the first half, right? The starting quarterback. First. What happens if he sucks, <laughs> you know, and, and Nathan Peterman looks pretty good in the third quarter. It's like, well, maybe you have to reassess if AJ McCarron should be your starting quarterback or Nathan Peterman or vice versa. Well, the funny thing is, is they're playing the Browns next. So I wonder if Coleman will be playing. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. And then the third game would, uh, so the big game would be against the Bengals. And that's that's no joke. No. I mean, they're they're a decent team, so it should be interesting. It should be interesting. And I did hear... And McCarron used to, to be the underling of Dalton, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He so was that's another interesting another good, little, interesting storyline. I'm sure they would just go hug on the field as opposed to almost <laughs> well, get into a fight like I, Benjamin. I guarantee, um, and I don't know if that was... Excuse me, I think it's at home, too. So I believe that's in Buffalo, that Cincinnati Bengals game. You are correct. Oh, good. Well, I guarantee Andy Dalton gets a standing ovation. That's true, because he did get us to the playoffs. Yeah, rightfully so, he should. I mean, I'm going to be giving him one from my living room couch. You like, know? it's okay if you it's beat okay. us today. <laughs> I want you to beat us. That's how much I love you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be an interesting story. And I did hear that um, the final count on the amount of money that Bill's fans gave to Andy Dalton's charity was over $400,000. That's, so, I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I'm proud to be a Bill's fan, just stuff like that. And uh, he's going to show up at the, the children's hospital and he's going to do something there too. Oh, you that's know, cool. You know, like something, an extension of his charity and stuff like that. So, so it's a, it's a great story. I mean, and the Bills have a relationship with the Bengals. I mean, they did trading with them. They traded Cordy Glenn to the Bengals. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. So, so this first leg of the preseason is, is over with and we don't have a ton of answers, but at least we're not shaking our head thinking, I don't even know who's going to be starting quarterback. We have options. We have options. Do you think that this new embedded show is going to shine any light on that? Because I think it'll be interesting to see the behind the scenes of of how people act and how people interact and obviously how the coaches coach and, and interact. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious for this show and, and what, what it shines light on for us as you know, more than casual oh, fans. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to be embedded into embedded. That's for sure. It's going to be, 
it's going to be very yeah, absolutely. I I love that. Now you now I don't watch Hard Knocks. You you're a huge fan. Oh, I love it. So so you've got to be even more jacked than I am for this. And before I even found out about the embedded, I I was going to bring up uh, on on here is that I really wish that the Bills would do Hard Knocks some year. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden a, a link pops up about the embedded. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> they could tell you that you knew what you were thinking. And it's from the same production group that did. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Playoff Caliber. It's like a 30-minute thing. It's on YouTube. Um, it's on our YouTube page if you look at one of our playlists um, where they basically go over everything from like, it's this really, it's documentary style of how the drought ended, like the moment it ended. It captures footage from, you know, all those different bars and people's homes when, the, you know, Andy Dalton had the touchdown from the Bills locker room. It is so well done. Um, the the um, director or producer that did it did uh, the Four Falls of Buffalo, the 30 for 30 special. That was awesome. So this is the same group that did this. They did a Ryan Groy um, quick documentary about his life. Is like It was only like an eight-minute video, but it was really well done. I mean, the this group, whoever they are, I mean, I, I like documentaries, you like documentaries. Like, they did a great job. Well, just from the preview that we saw, I mean, it, it's very reminiscent of the, of the Hard Knocks quality mm-hmm. uh i think the only difference is you get the nfl uh, who does the the voiceovers for the nfl film stuff is in the i think he does the hard knock stuff oh, okay. but uh but no i mean it looks fantastic and i'm I'm really excited to kind of see behind the curtain for once yeah very nice all right cool well you know thanks for coming on thanks for watching the game with me man it was great to have you it was a good it was, time it's good to talk bills with you and uh thanks for doing some voiceover work man it's hey really anytime hey um Nick, we'll have to do this again. So um, for us at the Circling the Wagons podcast, for Nick, go Bills. And for me, Nate, go Bills. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, Go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.